hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. Follow the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. It's very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 123. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, for all your networking information and, and products. I'll tell you more about them a little later. My name's Trevor Long from Your Tech Life, and joining me each and every week, uh, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. Good to be with you again. Great to be here, and lots to talk about, including a little bit of mobile phoning, a little bit of uh, airplane stunts. It's all happening in this week's <laughs> show, uh, and we won't waste any time. We'll get straight into it. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, you know, we get a lot of press releases, obviously, and some of them just run-of-the-mill, some of them great ideas, and it's it's unusual i think to, to get a great idea from a huge company like optus and i gotta say mate the idea this week that optus have updated their android um app the the optus now app which is where you can get kind of uh, news and sport and weather and all those kind of things it's one of those apps that's pre-installed when you buy a phone from optus but you can also download it onto your phone if you're an optus customer what they've done is they've updated it so that it it, it actually collects network data so you give it permission very clearly it has a whole range of pop-ups that, that tell you this but you give it permission to to collect data about you know call dropouts uh, you know reception where you are with where the reception is good where it's bad and it's sending that information back to optus so they can basically crowdsource their network maps and find the holes they need to plug. I think it's a bloody great idea. It is excellent. And, uh, you know, Optus, of course, using the best asset they've got, uh, and that's their their customer base. Hmm. Uh, I think that's... uh that's a, that's a really good idea because uh, when you think about it, the, the 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 people, the customers are the ones who are out there experiencing the network. It's okay, Optus sit in their office and do whatever mm. they need to do, but um, you know it's good that the customers are, are, are allowing this information to be fed back because I've been an Optus customer too, and you know there are black spots and areas of the network that obviously need to be improved, yep. uh, dropouts, all all these areas of the network that. Uh, if you if Optus were to go out with with a team of engineers to try to pat to find these spots, it'd take them a long time. And, and the but point I think the, it's just a, a, a really smart move to allow the customers in the in the uh, in the field, if you like, to hmm. to do this. It reminds me. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Twister. Remember yeah. the movie Twister where they they the tornado chases. Mm-hmm. And the best way for them to study the tornado was for them, for them to actually put this sensor underneath the tornado and for it to then fly up into the tornado. It kind of reminds me of that, how they've, they've deployed the customers, the ones deployed in this massive tornado that happens to be their Optus network, so <laughs> they can see exactly how it operates uh, all, all over Australia. The, the customers are in the tornado. <laughs> but you, So the thing is, and I made this point during, uh, I chatted to, to um, a guy from Optus in, in Your Tech Life this week about this, and the point is when you go to the Optus or Vodafone website and you search for an address, they tell you, um, you know, they show you a map, you know, pink for good coverage, purple for bad coverage, and, you know, blank for no coverage. This is computerized. It's a it's a computer 
that uses the topography of the of the ground, you know, where the steeps and hills are, you know, knows where the transmitter is and knows how the how the, the spectrum falls and it tries to basically estimate the coverage. Now, estimations are great, but you know, my, my coverage here is apparently fantastic, but I tell you, it's crap. And and that's the feedback that the network needs. So I, I think this is revolutionary, and I, I can't imagine the other telcos won't follow suit. Well, I think that the the, the response that, that Telstra would probably give would be they'd, they'd naturally say, well, our, our, our network's better. Crap. Um, and Optus, or, you know, kind of it. well, you think about it, this kind of is them admitting that they are no, our no network's perfect, our network's not perfect. Uh, I think they were criticised in the same fashion. Remember a couple of years ago when they released that home zone yeah, that yeah, helps exactly. you patch up your connection at home? And a lot of people criticised and think, well, hang on, why should we have to pay to fix up the holes in your network? Yep. But it was them, it was them just trying to give that customer service to extend that choice, if you like, to customers to help themselves. And I think uh, yeah. I think that attitude from Telstra is is purely egotistical, and I think it, it will come back to bite them well, sooner or later. Very fierce competitors, Trevor. Of course, it's going to be that way. Oh no, absolutely. But I think Telstra, you know, need to need to acknowledge that their network is is the best. I mean, we've said it a million times. If you're going to pick between the three networks based on all of the available information, you know, whether it's combining coverage with reliability with speed, you know, together those three factors, it's Telstra. There's no doubt. But you know, there there are black spots and there are problems. Problems. You know, I, I get emails from people on the trains that, that have got problems that they never used to have. You know, that's the issue for Telstra customers is they, they never used to have these problems and now they're having them. So something must be different. And, and it's this crowdsource feed that, feedback that could be yeah. basically appearing on the screen. So interesting stuff. If you're an Optus customer and you've got an Android phone, um, the, the Optus, it's Optus Now, isn't it, Stephen? That's the name it's of it. It's Optus Now, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, interestingly, it's only available for Android. Hmm. Well, because because Optus, the, the Apple don't let anyone pre-install apps on their phones. Hmm. But I th- I'd, I'd thought that they'd have an iPhone version that you could just download from the App Store and then use in the same way. So this is only for Android users to yep. use. Yep. Well, I'll tell you a couple of reasons. So if you're an Android user and you, and you didn't buy the handset from Optus, but you're on the Optus network, you can download the the app. That's fine. It's not a regularly used app, to be honest, by most people because they're probably not going to to they're probably going to the Herald for their news instead of using the Optus app to get their news. But just know that it's there and one of the reasons it's probably not on iPhone is because the the operating system's not as not as diverse so you can't have the app running in the background and sending data off and, and yeah, checking okay, things like that so it's, it's only available for Android at the moment but that's going to give them enough data to get get them going if you're an Optus customer and you've got an Android phone worth checking out uh, Optus now and um, and a great little app and a great initiative from Optus <laughs> Well, we're moving from one operator to another, and we mentioned Telstra in the previous segment there, but uh, Telstra have also uh, made some announcements too in regards to expanding their 4G network coverage. Now, they've explained that they're going to expand 4G to 85% of the population, not 85% of the country, 85% of the population. Uh, by Christmas this year, which is uh, a pretty big initiative. I think uh, they'd set themselves the goal by the end of June to make it available to 66% of the population, yep. and they've done that, deployed it on uh, on more than 2,000 base stations. But mm-hmm. I find it interesting that they're not only, of course, not just targeting the capital cities and major regional centers, they've also decided to include popular holiday spots too, which I think was, was a good move, yep. places like Batemans Bay here in New South Wales and Colac in Victoria. Margaret River in WA, La Trobe in Tasmania, places like that will also have solid 4G coverage and they're just responding to amazing customer demand. There's more than 30 hand 
headsets they're now offering uh, through their through the network. So uh, the customers are certainly responding, Trev. This is a, this is a, a, a genius move from from Telstra to kind of announce it this way because in the end, this is what they would be doing anyway. Though it's just part of the general network rollout and general network upgrades, and to be able to put four G into places. The other thing here is it shifts the the network load from the three G to the four G. Telstra have the most customers, and they've made a point of saying that they have you know three hundred four hundred thousand people on the four G network, and that means that the 3G network's been freed up of those people. So it's a really smart way to load shift your, your customer base and, and therefore give better service to everyone, which is yeah. really smart. And when you think about their targeting areas, where, they're, where they're, they know where their customers are. And, and a point going back to the Optus thing, and it applies to Telstra and Voda as well. Don't get me wrong. They know where you are. If you've seen 24, they can triangulate. They know where you are, <laughs> right? So it's not like it's a, it's a shock to them to find out where you are and where, you get, yeah. where you're getting good coverage. Telstra knows where their customers live by their billing address, but they also know where their customers spend the most time. You know, Telstra would have a you know an alert come up on their big network operations center saying, for some reason in Homebush at you know 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night, there's a lot of people accessing the internet via their mobile phones. State of origin. You, you know, it's not, not rocket science, and they can see yeah. that with the holiday patterns and stuff like that. It's a... It's. It would be very easy to plot your network rollout, and eighty-five percent of the population covered. You know that they they only cover ninety-eight percent of the population normally, so yeah. they're not far off. It's you a know, high putting number. It everywhere. They've done it in a short space of time. Like four G's only been around since two thousand and eleven from mm. Telstra. So, um, you know, I think Telstra wanted to make sure that they weren't a victim of their own success. Or, yeah. Almost like they, they knew four G was going to be popular. They wanted to roll it out in a in a sensible fashion. Uh, and uh, now that that's being ramped up, now customers are demanding. It so they're looking to expand that even further. So I think that's a it's probably a safeguard for them, if anything, to make sure that they can handle the number of customers who want to access 4G, mm. who want to get that new 4G handset. You know, the iPhone 5 last year was 4G, and obviously every other one in the, in the future will be 4G. Uh, so many new handsets now, uh, most of them are now 4G. So it's it's going to reach a stage where it's going to hard not to buy a 4G handset, and, and Telstra are looking to the future to make sure their network can cope with that demand. So if you're a Telstra customer, and, and we've often said, you know, you, you, you've got good coverage across the country, and, you know, your 4G is limited to certain areas, you're now looking forward to having 4G in a whole stack more areas. So another reason to stick with Telstra if you're on 4G and uh, and you're enjoying the coverage. Uh, you can read more about that at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, the, the two blokes got together this week uh, for a product launch, and it's not often, you have to admit, it's not often a product makes you sick. Let, let's be clear. Um, <laughs> well, let's it, just qualify it, that. <laughs> it wasn't the product that made you sick. It was the experience to demonstrate the product yeah. that made you sick. So yeah. I'll let you continue. <laughs> and I mentioned this on Your Tech Life, so indulge me um, to people that listen on both. But essentially, you know, product companies, let's, we're, not, we're not exposing them here. Companies spend a fair bit of money when, on launches to, to, um, to talk about a product, to, um, you know, schmooze and wine and dine journos and different people to, to make a point of their launches and this was actually pure genius so we're talking here about Navman and they were they were launching their, their this year's range of products and what the point they were trying to make at the launch and you'll tell us you can go through the, the stats and the, and the details yep. of the product itself but the, they were talking about how much changes in a map in a year and that's something like 42,000 kilometers of new roads added and you know 1800 turn signals all these different things change in a year and you think about your daily commute not much changes but if you go off the beaten track and i mean just you know take a different turn who knows what's changed and so what they decided to do was take us up in a plane 
uh, and we left in a, in a seaplane from Not Rose. Not just any old plane. That's yeah. right, a seaplane. <laughs> in a seaplane from Rose Bay. Now, this is my first time on a seaplane. And frankly, small planes... Not a good thing for my stomach. So we've we've taken <laughs> off, and and people that know uh, have done any kind of flying in the Sydney area, whether it's a helicopter or whatever, know that with the with the amount of air traffic, you, you have to travel out of the city via Parramatta River. It's kind of a, a flight zone up Parramatta River at a, at a kind of low altitude, and it was beautiful, unbelievable, flying over the bridge and then weaving around Parramatta River, looking right into people's backyards. Yeah, yeah. And then we took a bit of altitude, and we went out to Macquarie Park and and different places where there's developments going on, Oran Park, and these are places where they're building new settlements new new towns new new everything and these are new roads that need to be mapped and points that are being made by navban where they they don't just need to be mapped for for new customers and new new residents but they need to be mapped for trucks that need to make deliveries for the construction you know it, it's a really big deal mapping and and i was blown away by that and the point i'm making about the sickness was on the way back we got down low Parramatta river again i was a little bit bumpy for my liking and i was struggling <laughs> up there well, I was sitting behind you, Trevor, and uh, you, I, I haven't seen anyone grip a seatbelt quite as tightly as you <laughs> did in that little run home there. And we did, we did do – it was a bit like a roller coaster ride on that, that oh, last yeah. leg there. But uh, it was fun nonetheless, though. But a great demonstration, as you mentioned, of the changing city, if you like. It's yeah. because Navman have offered this monthly map update uh, called Rapid Monthly Refresh on their 2013 range. It comes standard on the My 450 LMT, $249, their latest uh, uh, Navman device, their GPS device. Mm-hmm. But what I was surprised at, and we should mention the fact that Nokia actually supplies the map. So it used to be, uh, their company used to be called Navtech. It's now called Here, so that it's used Genius. not only on the Navmans and other GPS devices, but also on their uh, Lumia smartphones as well. But uh, they did point out the fact that, you know, how much can a map change in a month? And mm. as, as one of them, as they pointed out, well, we're, we're pretty localized. If we don't go outside our area, we don't really notice much change. But there's people who spend a lot of time on the road, you know, bus drivers, truck drivers, couriers, cab drivers, that they spend their whole time on the road. And they'll tell you that there are actually a lot of changes. In fact, just some stats here, in the last year alone, more than 42,000 kilometers of new roads were, were created. So uh, more than 7,500 street name changes, mm. 10,000 turn direction changes, and 1,800 one-way streets, 1,800 road directional signs all changed as well. And that's just in a year. Mm. So with the amount of infrastructure that the governments have all, all combined, there's more than $60 billion of infrastructure planned for the next uh, eight to 10 years Navman are thinking, well, there is room to update a map on a monthly basis, uh, and they're going to do it to give drivers the very latest uh, maps at their fingertips. Now, it's going to be done through your PC, so whether you use – they're going to introduce Mac uh, syncing now, uh, previously wasn't available, and it's also through your PC. So it's just a simple matter of connecting it, uh, your Navman, to your computer and downloading the latest maps. Great, um, great initiative. I mean, a lot of companies are offering regular map updates now, but uh, to get the guarantee of uh, validated monthly updates is a is a great thing, and uh, you can check out that full range and some of the details of that uh, that little trip. Uh, without mention of my um, my pending <laughs> illness uh, at techguide.com.au. Now, 
And you know, we love our Netgear products. Netgear proud sponsors of Your Tech Life. And one of the great things about Netgear are the, the huge range of uh, wireless products that you can get um, for your home or small business. And uh, the things we're talking about here are, are wireless routers. So you've got your internet coming into the home. Get a new router from Netgear and you're getting the latest performance, the latest speed, including network wireless AC, which is the, the super fast wireless. It's, it's better speed and better range. Plus, if you've got range issues in your home, put a wireless range extender in. And what that does is actually extend your wireless network from the point of uh, contact with your home right out to those black spots. And it's very easy to do. Uh, Netgear have got a whole range of products at all different price levels, but also all different grades of speed and performance. So you can check them out very easily at their website, netgear.com.au. And uh, they're proud sponsors of your, tech, of your Tech Life and Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Stephen, you didn't sleep this week, did you? You, you were up all night. I was up waiting, waiting for the royal baby to be exactly born. And I've got to say, I picked it. My wife and I had a little bit of a side bet, and I picked it being a boy. She said it was no. going to be a girl. Fanny, 50-50 chance. It's not exactly rocket science, champ. Well, I mean, really. I picked it. Well, my three kids, I picked all three, and my wife, my lovely wife, Jo, she got all three wrong. You're the baby. Although she did, she did actually deliver all three, so I, you know, she gets all the credit there. You're the baby whisperer. It's official. Now, <laughs> um, the thing I find interesting, and this is another one of those events or moments where you kind of understand the, the, the unbelievable power of social media. Now, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Twitter didn't exist. And, you know, certainly this is the first, you know, royal baby under the, under the Twitter era. And just in terms of the beauty of, of social media is we can measure it. and We can actually see the conversation in data. And I was, I was monitoring the royal baby hashtag. And over the course of 24 hours, just up to and, and leading past the birth, one million mentions of the royal baby. So a million <laughs> conversations about the royal baby. And it peaked at 23,500 tweets per minute wow. as the news was broken that it was a baby boy. I mean, that's just a staggering number of tweets. Amazing. Yeah, well, you, you think of whenever big events happen, um, people take to Twitter. Like, there's, a, there's a lot of times where I've found out news on Twitter. Oh, you have yeah. to be there and you think, oh, hang on, I found out Osama Bin Laden died on Twitter. Uh, a, lot, a lot of things that I've, that I've think, oh, hang on, someone's died, some celebrity, some actor, old God person passed away. You see the, the name trending, you think, oh, what's happening? And then, oh, that, that's how you found out. So it's no wonder this child is going to be the most followed child in history. Mm. With, uh, you know, born into this era where, era where Twitter can kind of give you the literally finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world. Yeah. Facebook's out there, Instagram. It's gonna, he's going to be photographed every time he's in public for the rest of his life, mm. uh, you know, third in line to the throne. So he's going to be the most well-documented royal in history. Oh, absolutely. And here's the beautiful thing about it. it, it apart from the fact that uh, Kate and Wills don't have a voice bot account, so we didn't get any action from inside the, uh, the well, delivery suite. that would have been nice. Would have been they, nice. Are they Can even imagine? on Twitter? No, and that's the thing. But yeah. Clarence House, their official residence is, and so Clarence House was a really great um, yeah, uh, uh, one to, to follow at the time because it, um, it really did give a, a fantastic uh, coverage in terms of just really nice everyday stuff that, um, yeah. that was really useful for people and you know we talk about um you know the the breaking news and the way it happens but he, here's how how far back my 
introduction to breaking news on the internet goes. Yitzhak Rabin, Prime Minister of Israel, like talking in 1995, that was the first big piece of news that I heard on the internet. I saw it on Yahoo. Um, In 1995, I learnt about this piece of news via the internet, and you think that was just a website that you had to have been on at the time. Now, Twitter, it's on our mobile phone. It's everywhere we go, and it's just unbelievable. Well, it is the internet. Yeah, it's, for people. it's there. It's, it's, their, it's their internet. I've got to be honest, I don't read newspapers much at all. I really just rely on, because I'm, I'm a headline-based person, so I can get all the headlines I need yeah. from Twitter. So it's just a great example of the whole, whole evolution of the internet, and uh, we look but, forward uh, to royal baby, uh, you know, prince, whatever, yeah. I'm getting a voice by I'm just curious why the royals aren't on Twitter. You think, imagine, well, the Pope's on Twitter. Yeah, Why can't but, you know, the, the royal end, you know family what? get on Twitter, Trevor? You know what? The Pope's not really on Twitter. I mean, he, he might have, you know, for, for, for cameras t- tweeted so you think once. He's, a, he's assistant. He's on side think, and does his tweets Do you for think? Him? I you mean, yeah, hello. So if he was on voice bite, mate, you'd hear his voice. It'd be the real deal. Oh, it'd be riveting. It'd be real deal there. <laughs> we might have to get over there and talk to Kate and Wills. And let's get uh, let's get on the phone to uh, let's get on the phone to Queenie. Um, she talks pretty slow, so she might struggle with the fifteen seconds, mate. Well, you know, I'll have to give her a premium account, mate. Ladies I might give her and a gentlemen, I'm pleased to welcome my great. And he'd be like, "I'd be beep, it'll be done." I'd give her unlimited, mate. She could have unlimited. She could afford it. Hang on, is that available to to? Not yet, but oh, okay. I think would that be not a bad person to taboo it on, would to to introduce it with the Queen of England. I'm happy to trial the feature. I'm, I can talk yeah. underwater, as you know. <laughs> uh, no, you, anyway. You'd love an unlimited voice bite there, mate. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what we can organise for you. Uh, two blokes talking. But if anyone are on, is on voice bite, there is a really, really funny voice bite that uh, uh, there's a very good imitator who uh, imitates Kevin Rudd like a genius. So I recorded a voice bite with him today at, okay. uh, at 2GB. I'll check it out. You can uh, download the app of Voice Bite in the iTunes App Store. Well, uh, it's an interesting little product I've reviewed uh, from Bose this week. Now, I always pay attention whenever Bose introduce, introduce a new product because uh, they're not the sort of company that just introduce products just for the sake of them. They're not, they don't mm. sort of do the same product every year. It's only when they're good and ready, when they've got the technology just right, when there's demand in the market for such a product and then they would release it. Now, in this case, it's the SoundLink Mini Bluetooth speaker. Now, oh, yes. wireless speakers seem to be a very popular product at the moment. Oh. There's plenty of them out there. We've spoken about many of them on the program, and in fact, there is one of them in my one-minute reviews. But I thought we'd make special mention of Bose because uh, there, there's been a bit of news. Their, their uh, founder, Amar Bose, passed away uh, a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, and Bose themselves, uh, you know, company based on his passion for audio, audio quality technology creating better audio hmm. and his legacy will no doubt carry through uh, but this new little this new little product really showcases that that technology for them to produce very high audio quality from such a small device this is only 18 centimeters wide but uh, when you crank this up you think it's like a floor standing speaker hmm. uh, it, it's pretty big and produces a terrific sound Look, um, just while you mention uh, Amar Bose, he was 83 years old, so not not a bad inning, but still um, young. And uh, the great part of this story, uh, to be honest, is you know I love I love a company where the the man who found it or the or the woman that found it puts their name on it and their name lives or, or lives on, and that's a beautiful thing about it. Now the great thing here is in 2011 he gave MIT. Um, 
the majority of the company's stock, but their non-voting shares, their dividends are, uh, are used only to support education and research. So essentially, and there's caveats, they can't sell them and all these different things. Yeah. It's a great way of him giving back to the very university that got him started. And, and yeah, they well, he was a professor there, wasn't he? Yeah, was he a student, then he became a professor there. That's exactly right. And that's where yeah. he that's where he developed the, the concept of both. So a great way to hand it back, a, 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 yeah. a sad loss for the, for the technology industry, let alone the audio industry. And, uh, you know, as I say, the name, lives on doesn't it because we we there's if there's one thing that is just absolutely well known in technology that if it's a bose is written on that speaker it's going to be amazing quality sound so um bose soundlink mini speakers you can read about those at techguide.com.au two blokes talking tech you're listening to two blokes talking tech with trevor long and stephen fennick now, while you were highfalutin over in uh, Taiwan earlier in the year, I had a look at the um, the LG uh, new Ultrabook and, and had a good play with it. Uh, I've got to be honest, really impressive device, uh, really thin, very, very light, very, very white. Um, and, and what I loved about this device, Stephen, which you've reviewed at techguide.com.au is I actually loved the, the integration with Windows 8. It wasn't a touchscreen, but they had added keys that gave you shortcuts to all the things you needed out of Windows 8. Overall, I thought it was a fantastic uh, Ultrabook. I just felt, uh, after a while, I felt the keyboard was a little bit too spaced out. I thought the touchpad wasn't brilliant in terms of responsiveness. Yeah. But as a a basic device, you know, I was pretty impressed. I just wonder whether it's enough to get it over the line in terms of the the amount of money you're spending on it. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's $1,399. And you're right, there is no touchscreen, which is unusual now for a Windows 8 Ultrabook. I think Intel are really pushing to have Ultrabooks with touchscreen screens and window microsoft is actually pushing for that more than uh, intel is mm. uh but yeah you're right there was a bank of hot keys that allow you to sort of have all your windows 8 functionality um the choice of color i think was unusual but it, it still it still looked quite attractive in terms of how light and thin it is it's it's only uh even you can handle this trevor yeah, 1.15 kilos yeah i'll, I'll give it's it a nothing while. I actually quite liked Hank carrying it around. It was it was so light. It was it was like carrying a tablet around. But you had the yeah. full functionality of Windows eight, and uh, and I actually think the white is is a genius stroke in terms of differentiating itself on the shop floor. Absolutely, I just, stands out. I do wonder how it's gonna gonna rub up after a few weeks or months of usage in terms of getting yeah, but dirty. It's got that kind of matte finish to it that allow. I don't. It, it it's easily cleaned. Like I, I cleaned it. I got a bit of a screen cleaner on a cloth, and it was it's easy to clean it if you do get some fingerprints mm, on it. Um, yeah. It is only fourteen millimeters thick too, so it's quite uh, it, it's quite svelte. This uh, this this device. Um, there's there's a few ports on each side, of course. USB three ports on each side. HDMI out port, uh, mini Ethernet port as well. Uh, I find found it interesting that there were two micro SD card slots yeah. rather than a single SD card slot. <laughs> that might cause a maybe a degree of pain for a user if they've got an SD card that they they like to use with their camera. But now, nowadays, most or nearly all micro SD cards come with an SD card adapter anyway. So you can take that out of your camera, take the micro SD out and use it that way. But I thought it's just another level, another layer of pain for the customer. They've got to go out and buy that kind of thing. Um, the fact that it didn't have a touchscreen, oh, I'm okay with that. You know, you're not going to have a greasy screen with fingerprints all over it. Uh, performance-wise, I thought it, it, it ran 
pretty smartly. Started up in less than 15 seconds. Woke from sleep in less than a second. It's got also Wide Eye, which is an Intel feature that allows you to kind of like Apple TV. If you've got, you can replicate your screen, the laptop screen on a smart TV that uh, that's Wide Eye compatible, which is now the latest range of smart TVs do that anyway. So yeah. uh, the Z360, I didn't mind it. Thirteen hundred ninety nine dollars. And uh, we won't spoil the rating, but yeah, I, I agree with your rating at TechGuide.com.au. Great device. Uh, interesting to see when they whack the Haswell chip in it because Haswell means they have to have touchscreen. So I'll be interested to see if they can jam a touchscreen into that thing as well later in the year and, and give us uh, that. That would be a, that would be an extra half a star if they threw the touchscreen in there. But uh, full review, in fact, comprehensive review at uh, TechGuide.com.au. Now, it was a few months ago now that we spoke about the new Belkin range of Wemo products. Wemo are the, the products that allow you to control appliances, if you like, turn them on, turn them off, like light switches and baby monitors and uh, switches that can you know, turn turn devices on and off. You might mm-hmm. have a lamp or a TV attached to them. And what happens is it's controlled through an app. Now, at the time of launch, uh, it was only available for the iPhone. But good news for all you Android users out there, Belkin has now announced that it is compatible with Android devices. Android 4.0 operating system and higher uh, can now download the Wemo Smart Home app uh, for them to use now these Wemo range of products, which you'll find in places like the uh, Apple stores, uh, in most retailers. Wemo Switch is only $59.95. You can get the Wemo Switch and Motion Pack, which is $119.95. They're also coming up with a light switch. They've got the baby monitor happening. So uh, it's all equality now, Trev. iPhone and Android all can use the Wemo system. And I'm seeing that a lot. I was talking to someone today about uh, should they buy an Android tablet, and I said, look, I think now's the time to have a look at your app list uh, on your iPhone or whatever you're using and, and actually just do an assessment. Go. And the great here's, here's a hot tip for people that are thinking of making the transition from either way. If if you're thinking about going from Android to Apple, just go to Google and type the app name and then just write the word iTunes. And if there's an iTunes listing for it, then it's available on iTunes. And likewise, if, you, if you're thinking of moving from iOS to, to Android, just go to Google and type the name of the app and Google Play, and it will do a search on the Google Play Store. And if it's there, it's available. And uh, it's a really simple way to check your compatibilities. More and more apps are available on Android, and it's making it a much more compelling platform. We should point out, though, Trevor, and I think we've discussed this once in the past too, that people question the fact that why why are apps out for iPhone first? Now, as a developer myself now, I can vouch for the fact that it, it is much easier to develop for iPhone and iPad and iOS because there's limited number of screen sizes, there's only a couple of resolutions, and you're done. It, it, the, the, the path to development is, very, is quite simple. Over on the Android side, many different screen sizes, many different resolutions, many different brands, and, and so it gets a little complicated. That's why when a lot of people ask me, oh, you only talk about iPhone apps, it's because they develop them for iPhone first, and as this is case in point where Belkin, a big company like Belkin, has done the same thing. And the other, the other reason, we'll end on this because we're running out of time, but the other reason is there might be you know a bazillion more people People using Android, but as I've said a million times, um, it, most of those people aren't using it for apps. They're just using because it it's the phone they got given because they renewed. They're not actually there for the apps. Whereas iPhone users, they're pretty much buying it because they want a cool app experience. So the number of downloads you get from an iPhone app uh, are much higher much higher than from Android, even though there are more Android devices. But anyway, um, the Belkin Wemo for Android. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
You'll give us a couple of extra minutes as you're walking to work, driving to work or whatever it is. You're probably stuck in traffic anyway, so we'll give Stephen two extra <laughs> minutes here. Um, a couple of uh, interesting reviews and another while speak of the UE Boom. Yes, this is the Ultimate Ears, uh, a company owned by Logitech. It was created by musicians for musicians, this company, back in the 80s. Well, they've developed into a premium audio brand. Latest product is the UE Boom, uh, a speaker shaped like a cylinder. It ha- got its inspiration for its design from a water bottle, a, dev- a product that you carry everywhere with you. They wanted this speaker to be the same thing, a social speaker. 18 centimetres tall. It weighs 538 grams, a Bluetooth speaker. So you can uh, stream from your tablet, your smart phone, your computer. If you've got two of them, you can create a stereo pair using the app, the UE Boom app for iPhone and Android. You can also just double up so you have the same sound coming out of both, no stereo yep. separation, so there's wider coverage of your music. It's also made of very durable material, so waterproof. You can take it in the shower with you. This thing is a Woo-hoo. hook on the bottom. You can hang it in the shower if you want. Have it by the pool. It's got a special acoustic material. It's also stain-proof, so it can take a lot of punishment. Designed to go everywhere with you. UE Boom, available Available now at $199.95. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. We'll wrap, it, we'll wrap it up with some strange goo. That's right. That's the, the Tech 21 range of mobile cases. There's cases for iPhone and for uh, Samsung, Sony Xperia Z, HCC One. But the, the, the Tech 21 cases all contain a, a material called D30, which in its normal state is just like a slimy, gooey substance. But on impact, it hardens and for, creates a bit of a barrier and disperses the energy. So these Tech 21 cases, in fact, are sold in Apple stores in the US, sold from the bottom shelf of the of the Apple stores are now the highest selling cases in the US. So if you want to protect your device and also make it uh, make it look pretty attractive, there's a wide range of Tech 21 cases available now with that D30 material. Later this year, they're also going to come up with a screen protector made out of BASF polymer, the same material used in bulletproof glass. So if you're pretty clumsy with your devices, a Tech 21 case can save you from disaster. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 123. Go to the iTunes store, whack a rating in there, give us a comment just so other people can experience uh, the joy that is Two Blokes Talking Tech. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor Long and uh, yourtechlife.com. And you can find Stephen, uh, Stephen Fennick, one word with a PH, uh, on Twitter and at techguide.com.au. Thank you, mate. Talk to you next week. No worries, Trev. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.